Hello? Sorry. Hello? Now I've got Wait, to remember what, what to say. What are we doing again? Hello? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> in the toilet. Taking too long. What? What? You can't ask me that. I have to, I have to go home. Oh, my God. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> hello. Wait, what, what are we doing? Hey, hello. Here. hello, hello, hello. Hello? 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 Um, hello? Hey! Welcome to a very special recording of, um, wait, what are we doing? In which we really still don't know what we're doing, but we have a guest to join us. <laughs> hello, guest. Um, we're actually... hello. <laughs> hello. I don't think I've ever actually spoken to you on the phone before, so this is really cool. Yeah. Can you hear me? I'm just still trying to hear what's going on. Yeah, well, I can hear you. Chloe can hear you. Hermione <laughs> can hear you. Hermione's had a miniature disaster in her house this morning in that the, jo- the dog ate Jungkook and that was just a disaster that I was not mentally prepared for. Jungkook little figurine. Cat knocked it off. Part of a set of seven. Um, Is this like a BTS thing? A BTS, my mental health shrine, which is a little diorama of BTS in their little dynamite thing they're on a little stage and what must have happened is cats got up and knocked knocked John Cook off the edge and anything plastic on the floor gets chewed yeah right yeah yeah for sure oh no hopefully we're we able to find both parts of him like oh he's chewed I actually went oh, straight no. in, in a fit of peak I went straight onto eBay and reordered the whole set of seven because I just couldn't bear the idea of not having it oh no okay for sure <laughs> Yeah, that sounds, like, 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 that sounds like a that sounds like a drama. It was dramatic. <laughs> so now I'm going to be camped by my front door, waiting for that parcel to arrive, and just ha- cursing the dog and the cat until that. No, I won't really. I'll forgive him. But yes, welcome. Yeah. Oh, would you like to introduce our <laughs> guest? Because clearly, I'm not in a fit state of mind. <laughs> That's all right. Um, well, our guest today is our friend, our mutual friend Benjo, who um, Benjo and I know have known each other for oh, holy hell. About well, 30 years now. Um, I am so old. We are so old. But um, <laughs> Benjo performed in a band from Adelaide um, called The Bedridden, but, um, and which included our friend, our good friend Batters, but also David Lewis and Casey Seguazi and a few other, and um, Lily Bub and our various other members throughout time and history, um, Spayman, Stephen McKenzie. Um, and, um, but, yeah, Benjo and I lived in the same hood because I lived in Cato Street and Benjo lived on Orsman Street. And um, we played Dungeons and Dragons together and we've sort of just been kind of um, in each other's orbit through the magic of Facebook, really. I think Facebook had kind of kept our ten, our, the thread of our friendship going <laughs> <laughs> for that long. But, um, but yeah, and Benjo, who was in a band, there was a, a few other bands. I remember um, Half Dog, it was great, like uh, Thrash punk thrash band from Adelaide as well. There's the length and, um, of the Keston, which has a really interesting history as well. But Benjo, would you introduce yourself in the same in the same way? Like do you consider this to be an accurate representation of your selfhood and identity? Oh, I've got no idea. Um, yeah, sounds fine. Yeah. So I'm being a bit distracted about trying to figure out how to get my iPods, my little earbuds to work. I used my daughter's cheapy ah. earbuds the other day and they worked for about 10 seconds and then went. Pfft. Oh, yeah. wait. you're not connected. That's why. 
Oh, whoopsie, Davey. Because yeah. <laughs> I think I put them onto my phone. Because these are this is a brand new thing, these AirPods, because Rachel bought a laptop today, a new laptop. That's exciting. Oh, Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Know you'll be listening. We love you. She's not listening. She's not listening. <laughs> she will be, though. She will listen um, in the end, won't she, though? <laughs> Yeah, she will. She'll listen to it once it's if it if it makes it to the air. Um, but these, yeah. So she and she said, "Oh, you should have these AirPods that come with my laptop." And I went, "Okay, cool." And so I put them on and then tested them, and then they worked fine. And then she said, "Oh, you should see if they work with your phone." So I went, yeah, okay. And I put them on my phone, and they worked yeah. really good. And I went walked around the block with my phone on, yeah, listening to them, and. I've just realised that because I was on my phone, they're not connected to my computer. Uh, are they Bluetooth? Are they like a Bluetooth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's really frustrating, right? Because it's kind of like you find yourself going, it's not working, and then you find it's coming from another device or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm kind of dealing with at the moment. Yeah, that my... That's right. We can, we can edit it out while you know. Oh, well, let's keep it as a cool the spirit thing. of this podcast. Those sorts of things stay in. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually, I'll just exactly. while we're fudging well, with them, um, I came along a little bit later in terms of um, knowing who you are, Benjo, because I was uh, working at the little well, not working, but volunteering at Three D Radio, which was Triple M, and we played a lot of local music, and so we when a new CD would come out and it would be in the new releases bit, if it was local, we would all jump on it, and I remember. We were playing a lot of batters and, you know, we had the older bedridden albums, but I think the band wasn't together anymore. We always played Kirsty Steguazi stuff because um, I also did the women's show for a while there. So, But then you, there was an EP with a little sausage dog on the front and it was called the Millipede EP and it was really minimal and it had like six songs, maybe seven songs on it, and I just loved it. I went to Big Star and I bought myself, yeah. I bought it. And um, I've listened to that, I think, probably right up there with things I've listened to the most in my life. I can sing most of the songs. Degabar system I sing to my kids, you know, it's like beautiful. So that's how I know. <laughs> I was always awesome. a, bit, a little bit awestruck, you know, I, I sort of um, invited you to play it at an event of mine, but I was so shy I couldn't ask you directly and, you know, I got a friend to ask you and then when you played I didn't talk to you and then when you finished I didn't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was so stoked that you played at that event because Batters played. He opened the first one, and then the following year, you you um you played. So you're a guitarist, but you're multi instrumentalist. I I understand really piano. Yeah, um, I suppose I play play in the in the kind of very in the in the proper sense of it. Not in um, the proper sense. Well, in the, in the sense of, um, you know, if you play, you know, if you go outside and you play, you kind of, you know, you're playing around, you're just messing around. You don't, you don't, no one comes and teaches you the rules necessarily of the ah, games you're playing. Improv play. So I play the, I play a lot of musical instruments in that sense, and that you know, you find them lying around, and you go, well, what does this thing do? And you mess around yeah, with it. And, yeah. Um, you're you're playing with it rather than. Um, learning how to to play it through tradition, or you know, someone saying, "Hey, this yeah. is what you do." Yeah, um, you have a knack, you have a knack for applying all that that knowledge to like something you pick up. I think mean, I remember that like being 
like rather than like going having it, it you you just seem to like go oh it's another thing that makes sound but we can make it do all these excellent stuff that's what I remember <laughs> there's nothing about your, your music that seems like you're just um mucking around <laughs> yeah but, but I, I suppose there's, there's a um so so I did learn I learned, learned the flute actually as a child um oh, wow and learned that for quite a while I got you know okay at it um yeah. and then I kind of got bored of it and stopped doing it um and then I think my kind of interest in actually taking music vaguely seriously was because of batters because when I was in yeah. year year nine he transferred to the high school I was going to and okay. I kind of we kind of became friends and became really good friends quite good friends quite quickly he, and, really, he wanted to be friends if I understand correctly he said you, you know he pursued you yeah he yeah he decided he wanted me to be his friend I and then I, I kind of decided I wanted to be his friend anyway because I, I remember the first time I saw him actually it was at the kind of beginning of the year um kind of assembly I suppose where everyone comes in and goes you know this is the new year and he was because my high school um was it's Tolopia High in Canberra and it was a pretty unusual school in that it didn't have a uniform and anything like that and it was actually a international baccalaureate or it was a bilingual school so there was a lot of um kids there who were being taught in French and they were from that was from kindergarten to year 10 for those students wow. and then there was standard stream which was just us normal kids who were just doing high school at, from seven to ten that's really and, awesome. that does change the whole school if you've got ib um it's, the international baccalaureate is a is a kind of education where you can go on to apply to international universities it's really popular with international students and families who will be traveling around a lot but it's not offered in many places in australia it wasn't my school but it was pretty fancy school but do go on. Yeah. Well, well, it was because of where Tolopia was sort of situated within Canberra because it was it's in the southern old bit of Canberra where there's a lot of the diplomatic um, the embassies and stuff are all there. So a lot of those kids were coming to Tolopia. But it also had a weird kind of other crossover where a lot of the poorer kids from kind of the, the kind of weird little suburbs near there would also go, um, including me. So it had this strange crossover. Anyway, Batters... Awesome. was transferred to that high school um and he was wearing a uniform like a just gray uniform and he was in a wheelchair so he was kind of he and he had that very um the johnny rotten kind of style short spiky blonde hair and um it, he just stood out like anything and i just went that guy looks interesting because everyone else was wearing like tennis outfits and stuff like that it was quite and he had he had initially because like he came from the banker in a wheelchair. Oh, that is that's awesome. Yeah, and he <laughs> he, he had um, come from a much rougher high school, um, a very like a lot of the Canberra high schools were pretty rough then. But the one he went to was particularly rough, and he had kind of finally convinced his parents to let him move from that high school because he was having trouble with the, with a lot of the other students there, and yeah. the the. The, the weird assumption he made was he went right when I because you know how he's a very um, 
he's a very social person in, in a sense. He's very keen on observing social things and kind of, inter- and he's, he likes building little networks and so forth. And he said, when I go to this, this, this high school, I'm going to find the toughest people I can find, make friends with them. And that yeah. way I'll, I'll get in with everyone. I'll be cool without realizing that that was not the case at Tilopia where it was cool to be kind of gay and smoke pot and be really kind of airy fairy. So he found <laughs> two or three only guys in the whole school who were quite, you know, tough and stuff like that and lived in the causeway, which is this suburb that's now been demolished. And so they were really rough and really tough and he decided to make friends with them. He made friends with them. And then by the time he realised that they were like this total little kind of isolated island of toughness in this school of quite nice regular people, he couldn't yeah. detach himself from them because they were they were really chuffed to have another person in their little gang, and they, they ended up actually just trying to extricate himself. From yeah, and they, the I think they ended up punching him because he would. You've got to be our friend and punching him, but yeah, so he yeah. eventually became friends. I can with just them. imagine that too. Like, oh guys, this all this all this violence is great, but um, I got a chess game over here. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> It, but it, it was so embedded in him, this whole of surviving in a much rougher high school, yeah. which I didn't actually discover he played D&D, which I was playing heaps of at that time, until I walked into this room at lunchtime and he was there with all these years, sevens or eights playing D&D, and he just looked shocked. He was like, <gasps> what? And I said, oh, you played D&D? Cool, I played it. And he was like, what? And he was so, he, he had just assumed that he couldn't tell anyone that he played D&D because they'd beat him up for being a nerd. Yeah, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Any, anyway, when he, he arrived there, he was very good at music. So he'd, he'd enrolled in, in music class. Um, and yeah. I, because my parents were pretty, um, I don't know, they're a little bit confused, I suppose, as, as my upbringing was a little bit random. But anyway, they had forgotten to send me to school when it started. So when I had turned up in year nine, um, <laughs> about a week late, they'd said, oh, you haven't chosen any subjects. I went, okay, so I chose my subjects and they said, well, no, you can't do half of them because they're all full. And uh, I said, okay, what can, what can I do? And I said, well, you're going to have to do advanced cooking. And I said, well, I, I haven't done beginner's cooking. And they said, that's all right. It's just, it's just cooking. You'll be right. So they, they put me. You call it advanced to make it. Every, everybody get your mayonnaise sauce ready and you're like. It was, no, but you, te- technically you were supposed to have done basic cooking A and B. And yeah. I hadn't done either of those things, which oh. were year nine subjects. And advanced cooking A, which is what they were trying to get me to do, was actually a year 10 subject. And I was in year nine. And I was like, well, you know. And I said, that's okay. It's only a home economics. You'll be fine. So they put me in, in advanced cooking A, which I ended up loving because it was full of all the, the kind of hot year 10 girls. And yeah. it was just me, this little kind of year nine boy. And they, we did, because it was advanced cooking, we weren't doing like, you know, bacon and eggs, we're doing, making marmalade and pies and stuff like that. So it was, it was actually really cool. And yeah, by the time I become friends with batters was about the time that we had to re-enroll in our kind of second semester subjects or something. And he'd, he said, oh, you've got to come and do music with me because he was <laughs> astonishingly good at music. He was way better at music than the music teacher. So yeah, the music right. let him do what he wanted. And so he was saying, come and do music with me. It'd be really cool. And I was going... But I actually quite like advanced cooking. You should, I, I want to keep doing advanced cooking. So no, 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 come and do music with me. So eventually he convinced me to, to swap out of advanced cooking 
and go into yeah. music. And because he had so much power over this poor music teacher who was just baffled by his um, just knowledge of music in general, but his ability just to just to play anything. And he he knew way more about the technicalities of music than she did. So she yeah. would just go, "Oh, okay, you just write your own curriculum." So he we she made us sit down <laughs> and write a little curriculum, and we made these really weird random rules that we're going to each learn a brass instrument and then write all these a variety of trios and stuff for xylophones and stuff like that. And we wrote this little content about what we're going to do. I love this. So it's, it's such a useful pursuit. I just think that's so good. When you're that young, it's like nothing is impossible. But yeah. you know, and everything everything is new and exciting and you're still just like going, yeah, we'll do this and we'll do that. Where will we get the instruments from? I don't know. We'll just do it. Yeah. And and it was <laughs> so fantastic. Cool. We just got given like a weird little room and we were just sitting in this room during music and just just do what we wanted. And, um, that is amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So good. And and it was it was a kind of a good combination because he's that has had a very thorough grounding in you know writing music and listening to music and interpreting and stuff like that. And yeah. the mind was much more left field kind of make it up as you go along. So yeah. and I remember one of the reasons why he really liked playing music was me, with me. He, I was drumming something and he said, "That's in five. And I said, yes, so what? And he said, it said, no one I know can play in anything other than four. And I'd said, well, yeah, cool. why? It's pretty simple. You just you just count to five rather than four. And he went, no, no, <laughs> no one else can do that. It's really good. Just So from he, he kind of noticed that, that I was almost so bad at music that I wasn't, I was quite good at it, if that makes sense. Because I, yeah, kind right. Of, right. I guess maybe, you're like, maybe your, your approach to music wasn't tainted by any other kind weird like except except that i had been learning i had learned the flute for like eight years so i don't know i don't know what it was i think it's just that there's something about my brain that didn't that that is a little bit loose when it comes to things like rhythm and also this is a long you know this was the beginning of a long um i suppose interrogation of that part of my brain which took me to a lot of pre bad places and then sort of ended up coming with the, with the music I've most recently made, which is that kind of combination of that kind of interest yeah. in polyrhythms and, and yeah, yeah, the, the outside the traditional song form, but it sort of began in that weird little room yeah. um, with Adders, him just, him just going to just, just, just keep, just play something and I'll, I'll play along with you. And I'll be like, all right, okay. And then <laughs> That's he'd, great. And he'd write it down. Of the, of the, sorry. Uh, Chloe and Benji, you did a performance of the xylophone stuff that you, that's, I remember you telling me that at one point. When was um, Yes, so as part of that kind of weird contract, I think it might have been, we had to do a performance at this church across the road from the high school. And, yeah, we got up there and we had our xylophones. I don't think that was xylophones. They were marimbas or something. They were kind of wooden oh, wow, amazing. xylophones. And what you were playing marimbas, it's intense. Marimbas were just so, like, yeah. too much dexterity going on, way too much dexterity for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we just played our, our weird little polyrhythmic tunes on these things to this kind of, in this church, and it was just wow. it was possibly the funnest gig I've ever played. And It was my first gig, but it was, you know, my funnest. Yeah. And, it was, and you were, like, uh, saying to me that you have, like, um, well, I've noticed you've got some stuff off online. Is it Bandcamp? Like yeah. Haddock's eyes is that on Bandcamp? Yeah, 
Yeah. Awesome. So that, so, and that was, so that's, that's kind of, yeah, like a collection of pretty much everything I've done over the period of my life, really. Yeah, right. Um, Are there tracks from Millipede up on, online? Yeah, like- yeah, there's Millipede's up there, I think. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. We have to, I have to go and do a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, and it's all kind of, it's it was a weird project because I had, after Batters died, or even before Batters died, I'd kind of given up music. Yeah. And um, I just stopped playing it and listening to it and stuff like that. And then I went mad and, you know, went to psych wars and stuff like that. And then I came out yeah. of that and I wasn't in, in this house on my own. And I had like three weeks of, of just being on my own because I was off work and, you know, I was mad. And yeah. I, I found this, that my laptop had GarageBand on it. And I went, oh. So I just started um, recording music on it. Oh, just, cool. Just something to kind of do, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Um, from that, yeah. then I kind of went, oh, cool. So I started making this music and I started messing around with it. And then um, I decided to put it on Bandcamp. But I didn't want to be Benzo and I didn't want to be, you know, the guy from the bedroom. So yeah. I just put it on as haddock sized. And yeah. so I would put up this new stuff occasionally. And yeah. then there was a couple of guys in Sydney who liked it and were saying, oh, this is cool. But they didn't know who I was. They thought it was, you know, this mysterious haddock size from Sydney. Yeah, and then right. eventually one figured out it was me and it was like, oh, damn, got to figure it out. <laughs> so then I just you, sort of yeah, it into you got it. discovered. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I just went, oh, well, the cat's out of the bag, so I can now might as well put up a whole bunch of my old you know, <laughs> out, outcuts from the bedridden and things like that. So that's yeah, right. So where does the name, where did the name Haddock Eyes come from? Sorry. Can I make a guess? I've got a guess about it. I know. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I'm going to hate myself in this recording. I'm going to go, Hermione, shut up. So, But I do actually know where Haddock Eyes came from because I had the reference up on my wall at my new job, which I hated because I'd started talking to Benjo be a Facebook messenger and I was really unhappy at my job. But anyway, that is another story, but you tell it. <laughs> oh, Me I was just going to say, is it, is it Tintin? Like, no. <laughs> I'm thinking of Captain no, Haddock. No, from good, good guess. That's a good, good guess. guess. I think you should no. be able to have another guess, Chloe. Yeah. Oh, no, that's all I've got. Oh, that's really right. <laughs> okay, so in, in, um, in, I think it's either Alice in Wonderland or The Looking Glass, which is one of them, there's a song. Um, called Haddock Size, and it's oh, right. there's a, there's the a conversation. <laughs> yeah, there's a conversation between um, I forget the two characters, but there's a conversation about what you know. It's, no, no, no. It's the name of the song. It's what the, it's the name of what the song called. And so there's kind of like this meta sort of layers of 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 the logic of of names and so yeah, you know, the name yeah. the the name of the song is not the song's name it's the name of the name of the song and the, that's what the song is called and no 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 that's just the title well, well what is it called and Alice said is it very long because she'd already heard a lot of poetry that day <laughs> <laughs> yeah so oh. it's kind of yeah so it's it's like this kind of a bleak reference to that idea of it being the name of the, the project of all these different names um because it was yeah, a, you know awesome. that because that included a whole bunch of um stuff that I used to do with Dave Whiffler um with 35 feet and bits of the bedridden and bits of I think even an angel with yellow wings and Grand Moff Tarkin there's a whole bunch of oh my goodness of these are I remember these now yeah right so where does I remember Grand 
where did the millipede EP fit in? I'm sorry to try and get my bearings, but where did the millipede EP fit in and you're playing it at the Winterfest? I'm just curious because I really don't know the history as well. Um, I'm younger. Okay. So there was a period where the bedroom had kind of sort of disbanded, I suppose, and then Batters had, had um, set up a studio and he said to me, come over and make make music with us. And I mean, I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. So we, I'd come over and we'd, we'd record music. And basically we were recording music in order to learn how to use this recording studio. And Dave Whiffler was involved as well. And then from that kind of came what would be uh, the third bedroom album, um, which I had I'd sort of always been a bit against. I was like, oh, let's just call it something else. Let's not call it the bedroom. But he was like, no, no let's be the bedroom. Yeah. And so a I, I, told you, I told you it wouldn't work with that one. Yes, yes, and then some of it, um, some of it was um, some of the, some of my songs were on it. But anyway, there would be this thing where Baz would always do these kind of things with me. He'd say, "Look, okay, I want you to come over to my house and record." Um, you know, because he always wanted me to record a lot of my old solo stuff. Or at that time, it was old because I had sort of stopped playing, and um, we a lot of them hadn't been recorded as bedridden songs or as our kind of experimental stuff because I couldn't be bothered. And then one, I think, and this is where my memories are a bit weird as well, because I can't remember it was either 1999 or 2000. There was a yeah. time where he, over for a five day period, I'd set myself this task of um, just recording for five days and just all new songs. And wow, he, got, cool. he was he was really grumpy with me because he he wanted me to record like he'd written the list of all these songs that I used to perform and saying I want you to record all these songs and I was like oh okay and then I, when I got there I just went, oh, ignored him and just <laughs> recorded, recorded all these songs yeah right and so a lot of the songs that are on that millipede were kind of either bits and pieces that were expanded upon while I was recording them or were written while I was recording them except yeah. for. And they, but there weren't a whole bunch of them. There was like maybe four or five songs. And then I added two songs that had been on the I Told You It Wouldn't Work album that I thought kind of fitted with that whole thing. Yeah. And so then, then I went through the whole process of, all right, I've got this thing. So I, you know, I burnt, I think, 20 copies of it or something on those. Remember those recordable CDs you used to be able to have? Oh, yeah. yeah and right. then I think I put one in Big Star or something like that. And then, yeah. Holy I mean, shit, somehow, that was the one I bought. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Amazing, amazing. And That's so but, cool. I mean, the sad thing about that about that EP was I was when I when I was making it, I really liked it. I was like, ah, oh, this is so this this is really nice. I really like this. But a lot of the the kind of bedridden people, I just went, oh, what is this? This is boring. This is terrible. And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of gave up after that. I think that's so, right. so beautiful and it was right, it was just perfect when I, yeah, it's so peaceful. It's really peaceful and almost um, reverent but about odd things like Kermit the Frog and I was really upset that when Kermit the Frog, they did the revoicing and, and um, you know, I was also really upset when Mel Blanc died and it's like, you know, these little moments, like they're moments yeah, in well, the culture that you can sort of go, <laughs> You know, that, that, that's, that, I mean, the, a lot of people think it's a kind of a, well, not a lot of people, a few people that have listened to it often assume it's a joke, but it's like, no, no, I was really earnestly upset that they don't let Kermit die. It's like, why does he, 
why can't he die? Why can't he just talk about the guy? Why don't let him die like the rest of us get to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. What an idea. That's so cool. Well, because there was a, you know, and the bit about the flap of skin around his neck, like that is something that used to as a child genuinely um, puzzle me. Like, why does he have, what's that weird little star-shaped thing around his neck? Like, is it clothing or is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of meant to be his frills, uh, I suppose, or like so, like a like an inflatable sack. But frogs don't have a frill neck like that. Yeah. Lizards do. <laughs> it's just something to do with how to attach the piece of the puppet. But I just, I do remember that bit because it's got the line. I think I prefer him riding his bicycle. And I remember being so amazed that Kermit could ride a bicycle. Yeah. His little frog legs would move, and you go, "How are they doing this?" Blows your mind when you're a kid. Yeah, and the the Studebaker um, with Fozzie, yes, like that was one of my, one of my, you know, just a, because the, there was a period in the in the nineties, I think, where I was smoking way too much pot, where I was quite fascinated by the whole logic of Muppets and puppets, particularly yeah. the same voiceover thing with um, um, Yoda, where I was, you know, watching Star Wars, going, why are they why are they using Yoda, like a puppet of Yoda. Why don't they just yeah. use Grover? Because that's who it is. You know, it's the same voice. As <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it also sounds well like Fuzzy Bear as well. But Grover is yeah, like, and it's like, yeah. why don't you just use, and then people say, but, but Grover's not an alien. And you go, why not? <laughs> yeah, he almost is. Yeah, why, can, <laughs> why do we have this kind of idea of, of kind of aliens having to be slimy, kind of weird-looking creatures that look like they could be real? when they could just be a Muppet. Like and actually, just for, for <laughs> people who don't know what, we, what we're talking about, the, the, the people who did the puppeting, the puppeteering, Frank Oz did the puppeteering of Yoda in the, for, in the original Star Wars movies and he was also heavily involved in the Muppets. So there's that, there's that connection that maybe, maybe people now don't know, but for us I think it was, it was a bit more visible, that, that connection. Okay. Yeah. Also, just when you, when you watch... Yoda talking and stuff like that. Um, you, you're kind of, I, I, you don't see Yoda. If you, you I, I just say, you know, it may as well say at the end, you know, voiced by Grover because it is, it's, it's Grover. It's kind of Eastern for us. Like it, there's a bit of a character there, like that kind of, you know, the, the, the monk kind of Eastern Oriental sage aspect to it but it's still essentially you know grover it's like, yeah wow. it's an interesting i remember being blown away like when i found out like the way the way they puppet big bird like i had only worked this out probably in the last three years but realizing that one of big bird's arms or hands is is with the hand of the puppeteer and the other hand of the puppeteer is inside big bird's head like <laughs> yeah it never clicked in that was What's that? What's that, Hawaii? I just, I just said, imagine your arm at the end of a day playing Big Bird. I would have the worst shoulder pains. I hope they paid for for <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. I was just going to say that as um, there's a really interesting thing about for Star Wars people for they were having a lot of trouble in the more recent films making a CGI Yoda, uh, Yoda, and um, and then somebody said, well, why don't you instead of trying to animate Yoda as a body, animate Yoda as a hand moving a mouth, and that's when they got him to look more like Yoda. Oh, oh okay. wow! Okay, yeah, right. Animation's one of my like nerding total like you know those 
you know those weird but games. They wouldn't dare think of going old school and making it a puppet though. Oh. Those puppets were real to us. Like, and the models, the sets, like, and the little explosions, like those, that made Star yeah. Wars otherworldly in a way that CGI just makes it look like a video game. I don't like it. Yeah, CGI, CGI like a lot of soul. I think it's very much like. It's not only, not only is the uncanny valley to do with people's faces, it's also to do with aliens and explosions and like, you know, but, but yeah. But I, I, like I think the, that, that desire, that desire to kind of fill the screen and um, rapid fire everything so that the, the story is quite quick and there's a lot of fight scenes and stuff like that kind of moves yeah. Star Wars right away from the, the main spookiness of it which is that kind of that that more grounding in the kind of spaghetti western that sort of yeah. vast yeah, right. desert with a with a, you know the minimal music and stuff and which and- i was always disappointed about when they went back at some point and they i think it was even george lucas put back in little bits and pieces in the background when cgi became available yeah. i and hate that kind of, yeah. like, you're filling up this what was this intrinsically beautiful kind of almost um yeah kind of a Japanese style harmony. Western. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, 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 like they had really great people working on it in all departments. Like you had great editors, great sound editors, great producers. And and then it's like George Lucas decided that he was, you know, the, the god in the machine or whatever. And, and I don't think he was thinking about how much hard work had gone into making his vision as realistic as possible at the time. And it was really disrespectful. It really bugged me. Yeah, yeah and- for sure. Just, oh, now I can put in a, a random monster walking around in the background. It's like, why? It's because it looks cool time. just the way it is. The only shot yeah. that I think they should keep in is the CGI of the Millennium Falcon taking off from Moss Eisley. That is that is the only acceptable. Yeah, that, that was pretty impressive. My heart swelled when I saw that. But everything else is kind of like. They ruined the when you're a kid, scene, I mean, there's they, so they much. There was yeah, no. So many links. Yeah, and, and <laughs> so like that. that that temptation to fill to fill everything up and maybe it's the same with sound like that fear of white space and and freedom and silence you know i think it's really evident in what happened to star wars like and yeah, and cgi yeah. like you, you know anyway sorry. yeah but um i was just thinking i wanted to talk to you benjo as well about your instagram account because like mm-hmm. there's been some issues no no <laughs> like um like the photo- I love like your photos, the photographs you take. Like you have this, like I think it's well, I did some research. I had some someone I found some things about like liminal liminal photographs. Yeah. Like um like you seem to be able to like when you have photographs of really quite mundane like images, which are sort of like door frames and the way and concrete where when you know the corners of a concrete wall or something like that. But you seem to manage to compose these photographs that, that they, the lines in the photographs draw draw your eye toward them in a really unique way. And it's very interesting because it's like you can look at it and go, well, what's this a photo of? But when you really take in the composition of them and then you can take in a, the composition of like maybe six or eight of them in a row or even the whole feed, it's like really interesting. Yeah, and I was just cool. going to like, do you like those photographs? Do you have, how much have you, did you plan those photos? Like because they... They just look so random, but when you really dig deep, they're quite amazing. Like, um, well, do you want the short version or the long, complicated, boring version? <laughs> oh, go for broke. We can get it down if it's too long. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you can cut this bit, bit out later. Maybe, maybe we'll so, do both just as, a, just as a little thing. We'll do both and then we'll save it and then maybe make a, I don't know, um, 
Um, I get okay, the short, ver- the, short, the short version is yes, they are planned up to a point. Yeah, um, right. The, the longer version is, um, so I've, I've always had a, an interest in photography. Um, yeah. And I used to take, you know, just, just photos of things that look cool. Um, but, yeah, of, of a lot of kind of space and stuff like that. And yeah. the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Mahat once said something to me um, quite that I, I took as one of the best compliments I've ever got from anyone. He, he was looking at my photos. This was before internet and stuff. I think we just had a little, um, or maybe it was, I can't remember. Anyway, I used, yeah. to take, I, had, I used to get things printed. Anyway, he's looking at me saying, you know, you, you take photographs of invisible people standing in front of things. Wow. And I kind of went, or invisible presence. He said it in a much more eloquent way than I could say it. Yeah, but it was this kind of idea that there was something there, but you couldn't see it. And it was, I'd I really like that. And I was like, yeah, because it's kind of, anyway, fast forward ages yeah. later when I'm um, in the depths of self-destruction. In yeah. the, the Sorry, world. Hermione. Sorry, was that a stop there? Did you ask no, this no, that was, I don't want to interrupt. But I'm so sorry, Chloe. I know that I can, this, this is actually really quite tricky to, to like put we're, all we're running out of time aren't we, we no, well, we are running out of time in terms of the zoom thing but we can come back on and i have i mean benja you know this chloe you know this i have crazy anxiety and my dog chewed junk cook this morning so i would go worrying right. about things being destroyed before i've had a chance to save them i worry about that a lot but um and also, I don't know who Mahat is. Name rings a bell, and it makes me think you're not talking about. Oh, Hat. I was going to interject there as well, but I wasn't. I didn't want to like knock Benjo off his role. But <laughs> Mahat was like Michael Pulsford. He was like a musician from Adelaide. Played drums for the band Rats in the Walls, and also drumming with um, is that who Guillaume Mar- and Batters. Yeah. In, um, is that who Mar- oh my god, that's who Michael Pulsford is. He was in Silvermine Tapes. Yes. 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 That's oh, right. Silver mine tapes. Oh, yeah. yeah cool. CD. Oh, anyway. Um, what was the long version of the story that I can't believe that's my okay. now I'm really spun out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when I was a lot later, when I was I used to I suppose I was to put it um politely, I was, you know, not in the best mental health. I used to go jogging a lot in the middle of the day and I keep seeing cool stuff that I want to take photos of but I I I was jogging so I forgot about it and then it sort of turned I used to take start taking my mobile phone and I started taking photos of walls and stuff like that just as things that I liked yeah but the thing is because of my poor mental health I'd often go back I'd look at my phone a bit later and go and there'd be all these photographs I don't never remember taking and yeah they became kind of mysterious because I'd taken them and there was, I'd be looking for reasons why I'd taken these photos. So yeah. they are, they are kind of planned in a sense, but they were, they're always, um, it's more a matter of walking around and seeing something and going, right, I'm going to take a photo of that, but I don't, I don't plan it too much in the moment. I'll just kind of take a photo, but there's a, a connection with the, the kinds of compositions that they end up coming back, which is informed a lot by my painting practice, which is a bit more, Okay. This idea of kind of building. We should talk anything when we come back after a quick word from our we don't have any sponsors. But also just to say quickly, like, do you walk past something on on a regular day and then go, I should come back and take that photo, or is it really about the moment? 
Um, sometimes, or sometimes I think, oh, that would have been a good photo, but I, I don't really come back to it. No, I sort of just, and then often there'll be, because I used to do this kind of ritualistically where I'd, I'd go, you know, because I was running every day at a certain time of day, um, I would be running, but by the end of a, of, of a couple of years, I wasn't running. I was just pretending to run. I'd go out in my jogging outfit with my phone and just get really drunk and wander around taking photographs of things. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that was great. And, and kind of sad as well. <laughs> so I have a very, I have a very, I have a very um, fraught relationship with photography in the sense that it reminds me a lot of a lot of shit, I suppose. But at the same time, I still like taking photographs because there are there are. I live in a pretty beautiful part of Sydney in the sense that there's a lot of just cool shit around to take photographs of, but they are usually walls and they yeah. are usually angles and stuff like that. But also stuff that's got a lot of um, layers on it in terms of, because I used to really love, I still do love this whole kind of the, the battle between graffiti artists and the people that come along and paint over them. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. often like the connection between how often something that's been painted over looks a lot like pretty mid-century modernist abstract painting. And I think that's kind of cool how this battle creates these really yeah unfor- wow. yeah some of my favorite of your photographs are the ones where it's a it's a picture of where graffiti used to be and you can see the lines and it is about that resistance of public space and you know like council control and it's it is yeah. it's really compelling photographs because they do tell a story and i guess that's why it catches your attention yeah. in the moment but i'm going to press can I, can I can i can i plug your instagram really quickly benjo oh, so people listening can check it out <laughs> Um, so, yeah. I don't. Think, I don't think it's. I think it's on private. I think, but yeah, uh, yeah, you can if you want. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they might want to join up and have a look. Um, so yeah, clue at Clufos O, which is spelt, and I'll be obviously be at and then spelt C L U E for clue, and then F O S for Sam underscore uh, F for Fred O for Oscar. <laughs> Clufos O. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I, I've never known how to pronounce it. I look at it and I just go, cluff, 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 cluff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to press stop. Okay, I think we've got a three-way thing and we have to press stop at 40 minutes, but then we'll come right back. Is that okay? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm keen with that. I'm keen yeah. with that. Cool. All right, cool. I'm just going to I'm gonna end the recording so don't freak out and then we'll all come back here maybe in a couple of minutes, make a cup of tea if you want, and then we'll be back in here. Right. So this will just, what it will do, it will stop, it will render the file down as audio and then it will be safe and saved and I will stop panicking and then we can come back. (laughs) All right. right, right. I'll catch everyone. Everybody get the weird lady message? I did. I did. Recording in progress. Hello. 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 What are you doing here? Hello. Who are you? What do you want? Is <laughs> that Beastie Boys album with a Hello Masky Hello. Hello. Make me think of that Saturday Night Live we sketch with the roommate and Kristen Wiig and I think it's Lindsay Lohan. She's going, she picks up the phone and goes, Hello. Hello. What do you want from me? <laughs> anyway, the room is. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, um, so what were we talking about? Are we talking about women or Because actually, well, um, this, I mean, we may, anyway, look, I'm not going to overthink this. Clearly that's not really possible, but I've made a cup of tea. So, you know, we can always hope. Um, yeah. 
that uh, we're going to talk about the art, art practice, which which is interesting one because I didn't realise that you were a painter. But also I do want to find out how you felt about performing at the Winterfest because for me that was such a huge moment. Like you, my two favourite local performers played and it was just like because Badders played at the first one and you played at the second one and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that you said yes. And now when you messaged me on Facebook and sort of we became friends, um, you mentioned that gig. Do you remember yeah. it? Yeah. Um, vaguely. I remember um, Joe Daniels was there as well, wasn't she? Um, JBD was my emissary. She went and asked you for me because I was doing it. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, look, I vaguely remember it. Um, I remember it being good because at that time in Adelaide, one of the reasons why I sort of d- disliked playing live was that it was pretty hard to find somewhere where you could play where people would just sit there quietly and listen rather than, you know, yeah. what, what a lot of people want to do when they go to pub is just, you know, talk to their friends. So it's understandable. But um, at the same time, if you're playing kind of funny, happy, loud songs, that's, it works because people go, oh, look at that funny, yeah. happy thing over there. But if you see a kind of dour-looking, insecure guy playing earnest crap on the guitar, it's a bit kind of like, ugh. It's a bit sickly. And the good thing about yeah. Winterfest was that it kind of embraced that more, um, hey, let's all sit around listening to something nice and quiet. Yeah. And it was, yeah. It was, it was good. like, a, like the, had a vibe of a listening party rather than just like um, yeah. some but, afternoon at a pub or something like that. Yeah. I'm glad about that because it was actually designed that you didn't need to leave. I figured that, you know, it was winter and you were cold. So my whole my whole logic behind it was, to give you a safe, warm space, a bit like a homeless shelter, and you would be able to yeah. sit. If you wanted to talk to your friends, you'd go upstairs where the exhibition was on and the music was I was really determined the music would not be too loud, that you couldn't talk up there, but also the people who really, really wanted to see the performers. And actually, while I'm thinking about it, if anybody listens to this podcast and you know anybody who's got any recordings of any of Winterfest, because I don't have I don't have any of it recorded. And I was so nervous on the night. Wow. I remember, you know, I was always really like, yeah. But that was really yeah. There was that play. The other, the other one that was really good for a while, which um, I was trying to remember the name of the pub, but it was near, it was one, near one of the squares. Not and the Grace M. Sorry? The Grace M. The Grace Emily um, was no, in. No, 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 not, not, that, not that one. I've played there a couple of times and, yeah, it was great. But the place I'm thinking of, and it, it was run by, there was a girl that used to work at Big Star and she used to run like a a night there. Yep. The Dooleys were very involved with the, like, because Liz and Kath Dooley were also extremely important that they played, at, they played, because they were in Fiona Beverage and then they played at Winterfest as swimsuit. And the Dooleys were really involved with this feminist punk collective. Well, I don't really know. I mean, honestly, and why bother labelling things? But anyway, yeah, I don't know where that venue was, but I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it was like, the, you know, there's one of the squares near the markets, the square near the markets. Victoria And there was a road that went, yeah. that went south and there was a pub on that road. Yeah. And you had a really big back room and I used to play there and they were great. Like everyone would come in and they'd all sit down and like – no one else does it anywhere else in Australia. They'd sit on the floor and they'd look at you really kind of earnestly and you play these songs. And wow. that, was a, that was a good place. 
And that's where... That's why comedians always struggle in Adelaide because we're sitting on the ground looking earnestly at your face and we don't clap until you're finished and then we go... (laughs) (laughs) Really throws comedians off. It's hilarious. And I I remember that place particularly because Batters used to be obsessed with making me play, but also then he'd come and play. Um, He'd come and and watch me play. (laughs) And... He'd say, look, I'll play with you if you want. I'd be no, that's okay. Don't worry. I'd, you know, it, it's too complicated trying to figure out, you know, how to play together. And so he would come and sit in the front row and any song that he had any kind of component to, usually the, the chorus, he'd sit there and he'd just burst out into the, in singing the choruses and stuff and startle the shit out of all the people sitting around him because... Wow. And that was a... It was a really... that. That place was really nice, but Winterfest, I remember, is being yeah, like one of those places where it was just, you know, it was nice because I'd been really scarred by trying to play like the front bar of the Crown Anchor, and it was just like, what am I doing? This is just, why are people, you know, why, yeah. why, why am I trying to get these people who are obviously oh, here to fun and get drunk? Why? Yeah, I think I remember the place. Was it the Crown and Scepter? The Crown and Scepter Hotel was. Crown and Scepter. Crown and yeah. excellent for gigs. 3D had a lot of gigs. Andy, who ran one of the sort of folky shows, he used to put on shows there and um, I used to do the DJing, the interstitial DJing at that. That was great fun. But I always used to DJ yeah, it, at the Crown and Anchor in the front bar on a Tuesday and I remember these little, these folky hippie people dancing when I played From Little Things, Big Things Grow. Uh, yeah, cool. Adelaide's one. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, so there was there was so many um, because at the same time w- when I was playing, you know, playing or not playing a lot of that 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 kind of stuff, I stumbled upon being in like Half Dog, and yeah, right, and that was like right, this makes sense. I can understand playing this music in a live venue because I used to just get, you know, just vent basically, just get up on stage and scream and run around. Yeah, and, that was um, what was half the fun of that band <laughs> it was so noisy i remember seeing them in um, port road somewhere it was the lady daily or something like that or the land of land of promise, promise. land yeah. of promise that's yeah. right it was a premium hardcore uh band like venue not premium but so many hardcore bands played there yeah there was yeah. a really good like because I, I wouldn't have stumbled upon that scene if it hadn't been for shep because he'd he'd come up to me at art school and said um do you, you scream a lot in the bedroom, don't you? And I said, "Yeah." I said, do you want to be in a Do you want to be in a death metal band? And I went, "Oh, okay, sure." So yeah, they, they just, I, and that through that through being in that band, yeah. um, I then got exposed to that whole like you know that whole kind of dumb punk from the suburbs style kind of Adelaide. Um, I suppose it was punk and grindcore or something, but it was just yeah, it was really like all those. Um, Oh, there's so many of those. Shep was in a lot of them. I remember that. Yeah. Oper- Operation Octopus and oh yeah, I remember them. Operation Octopus. Yorksogoth. Um, I remember there was yeah Yorksogoth. because that was Shep's girlfriend's brother's band. He was in so oh, many. Of them. He was yeah. yeah was yeah. And there was. Do you remember Tardis Retardus? I was just thinking about them the other day. That were yeah right. Like a, they had a nice. keyboard. They had a keyboard and they would just do this weird. Yeah, there were so many strange, weird little Adelaide punk bands yeah. that were all connected by playing at places like the Land of Promise. Yeah. And Port Adelaide Rowing Club. I remember playing a gig there once that was 
yeah. really weird. Because I saw a band advertised somewhere the other week and their name was Half Mongrel and I was like, oh, well, that's just, they're just trying too hard. They're not, they're not half dogs at all. <laughs> but, um, but again, that was one of those, those bands that um, batters used to always religiously come and see play. And yeah. he, he, I remember once I was in the midst of that, because it was a pretty, um, it was a very indulgent performance style where I just, I, spent, I think I spent a lot of time crouching on the ground, just screaming, and then yeah, that's what I remember. And then, but I remember <laughs> jumping around at one point and just seeing batters on someone's shoulders, kind of just staring at me. And then later on, he said, "Oh, you know, it was kind of weird. I saw you jumping around, being this insane person." And then just for a glimmer, you kind of looked at, and there was this kind of little kind of thing of like, "Yeah, this is pretty funny. What you know, <laughs> what's, what's going on here?" And the funny thing about Half Dog was when we got a, a grant or something to record. Uh, an album and we'd already done a I think we'd done a cassette which I think in the end was much better because yeah. it was more, anyway when we were recording the CD Rick who was the kind of the, the guy that was sort of I was remember Rick. yeah yeah Rick Petros Petros something yeah I don't know any of these people either but I'm really enjoying this and <laughs> he 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 had he came up to me with the um it was, uh, it was it makes me wince now to say this he came up to me and he said we'd recorded it all and he said oh can you write down the lyrics for the the lyric for the cd and i was like what lyrics <laughs> and he was like you know <laughs> what you're singing and i said i've got no idea what i'm singing dude like i just it was like you know first one ah! yeah because ah! you know, the way i approached it was was no one knows what you're saying when you're singing that kind of band so yeah. you just make it up well, that's what i liked just... about it was like i have no idea what's going on but it's so volatile it was a, there's such a such a crazy um energy to it which is just blew me away it was always like just I, you know, give, it's... give it everything <laughs> and with, there was one gig perhaps my favorite performance we ever i mean we had some pretty legendary performances because we were often pretty under the weather and in, in all aspects of it but we we didn't care. We were just, and it wasn't yeah. like a, a violence to each other. It was just, let's just, you know, go mental. Um, there was one gig we played where we'd written out the set list for, you know, one side of the band and the other side of the band. But when we'd written out the set list, the second set list got, the one of the songs got skipped quite early. So for yeah. half the gig, each of us, one half of the band was playing one song and the other half of the band was playing <laughs> another song. And it sounded really good. Like I loved it. I was going, what was Did anyone that? realize when she just kind of out through it? No one in the audience realized. We kind of realized while we we're playing because we we're going, this is weird. Something's, you know, this sounds really strange. And Chet was just looking really confused because he'd be like, you know, because we had a, a bit of that kind of, I don't know if what, what this, the term for it is that growing core thing with the breakdown there. So you do that, the, the, the fast bit, then the slow bit, and then you go back into the fast bit. And, the yeah. dynamic would be, is all thrown out if you're playing different songs, and they're on, you know, they're different keys and all that kind of stuff. Wow. But, it, it, but it, I loved it. I just go, man, that's that's what we should do that more often. And but Rick was yeah, like, no, right. no, no, we've got to play the songs like this supposed to be. But yeah, it was. And that's where it gets yeah. really. Exciting. I was just thinking, like, did you ever get a chance to see um, Home for the Deaf play? Because that kind of like really... yeah, they played at Winterfest, didn't he? Play at Winterfest? He did. He played at the first one and the second one. Like to me, it wasn't. Yeah, a... I think he... Home, for the... Home for the Deaf played at every Winterfest. That I ever put on. Yeah, I, I loved him. I thought he was the best. I thought he was genius. He was. He, um, and him and 
Matt Bannum, that those kind of people from that kind of that I suppose I use the word generation, but that age, that that I what I envy about them is their 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 absolute glee with just doing just doing random shit. Um, whereas yeah. I, I was always a bit more too self-conscious for that. And I wish I'd embraced a bit more of that weird stuff. <laughs> we interrupt this wonderful rambling interview to tell you that this is actually going to continue in part two. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts while we prepare for a <laughs> brief fuel refueling stop. And, um, and we will be back with part two. So for now, go have a nap, Australia. And we'll be back soon. Yes, right.